Welcome back, film friends, to season two of the Irish Film London podcast. I'm your host, Neve Brannigan, and we'll start today's episode off with Jerry and I catching up after a nice break over the holidays. We chat about everything from BAFTA nominations to new Irish films coming out to the Dublin International Film Festival and loads more. This will then be followed by an interview with Ross Keelan and Damien Dempsey chatting about their documentary, Love Yourself Today. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Irish Film London podcast season 2, 2022, new year, new podcast. I'm here with Jerry Maguire and we're back to chat about all things Irish film, TV and animation, to chat about all the new things that are going on in Irish cinema and uh, and to fill you in on all the latest and greatest events and interviews that we can. Hey Jerry, how are you? I'm good, Nate. Yeah, it's good to be back and talking to you again. Uh, it's been a long time. I know. We had our big uh, festival and our awards in November, which was glorious. So nice to be back in cinemas with everyone and having Q&As and, mm. and especially being back in the Irish Embassy as well. It was great fun. Yeah. That was a great night. I was hosting and I had loads of jokes about Jerry Maguire thinking <laughs> that I was going to be hilarious and then the lovely ambassador Adrian O'Neill beat me to loads of my jokes so I had to cut about half of my speech yeah. half of my material You were pretty good on it though, you were pretty um, pretty casual in the way that you sort of announced on the podium that you were just going to tick that one off it's already been <laughs> I've got to make sure I get all those uh, all those names right yeah. The glass of Prosecco helped as well beforehand I'm not <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah but since then, um, two of our big films that we had in the festival, Deadly Cuts and Redemption of a Rogue, are now on Netflix. What a cool journey for them. Yeah, there's so much stuff that's going up on Netflix all the time now, of course, but it's great to see Deadly Cuts and Redemption of a Rogue up there alongside some of the other great new Irish film releases. Um, yeah, Netflix obviously going from strength to strength, but you could very easily curate a little Irish film programme from the great new stuff that's up on Netflix now. There's a lot happening there. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that's got a big Irish connection with two kind of big Irish players in it is the new remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is coming um, It's coming out this month on Netflix, I think, which is going to be really cool to see uh, uh, some Irish faces in that. I think there's going to be a lot of... I think it's going to be kind of a Comic-Con kind of old school fans being very excited to see uh, a new kind of revamp of it, which is going to be cool. Yes. So who have we got in that? We've got uh, our patron, Mo Dunford, mm-hmm. the brilliant Mo Dunford, who I think plays the character Richter, mm-hmm. and the brilliant uh, Alwyn Fuere. Yeah, she gets to play. Yeah, I think we were saying before that she uh, put up a tweet saying that she finally gets to play cowboy. So yeah. that isn't a dream come true. That's brilliant. Yeah, playing a badass cowboy. I don't know what is. So yeah, yeah. really, really looking forward to seeing that. Um, I also went to see Belfast in the cinema, which was so gorgeous. What a gorgeous, gorgeous film. And I think as well, I was really pleasantly surprised by how not political it was. I think that was quite kind of refreshing. Obviously, it has elements of it, naturally enough. But I think it was just really refreshing to see a film about Northern Ireland that wasn't just 
politically driven or you know two sides and kind of opinions and comments on yeah. on that kind of thing so uh yeah it was just really about like kind of the family and and human relationships and yeah really gorgeous yeah i mean obviously it happens at a really turbulent time for for belfast in the late 60s at the start of what we came to know as the troubles but you're right it's very even though there's there are events unfolding around the family in that street, which definitely affect them in a big way. The drama is much more, there's there's action, but the drama of the film is much more about what happens in that house and what happens to them. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting take. And I think you can kind of tell that it's it comes from Ken Branagh's childhood experience in, mm. in a sense. Um, I'm sure that the other um, sort of homegrown talent in the film of Kieran Hines that that there I've heard Kieran and Ken talking about how their own experiences as kids at that time has really informed um, how that film turned out in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think it's also Nave. I think it's a film that you know I enjoyed it. I went to the cinema and watched it um, on its opening weekend, I think, or that first week when it was in literally every cinema in Northern Ireland. And I was I was there as one of those people watching it. And it was wall to wall screenings at all those cinemas. So it definitely, it definitely got its visibility. Um, and it was a really well attended screening and it was a really enjoyable thing to see there with a, 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 an audience of lots of different age ranges. But I know that my parents have been to see it in the meantime and have really enjoyed it like oh, even yeah. more so yeah. I, so i feel like it's a film that's definitely going to connect with those people who grew up at that time and are possibly reliving that experience again yeah it feels like a little bit of a love letter i think which is really lovely yeah um and also another friendly face in belfast is uh, our friend Connor mcneil he yeah. did um one when we were doing our series of uh, self-tape tips and tricks uh, he helped us out with that so uh, if we have any actors listening and want to check that out definitely do but always nice to see uh, a familiar face on the big screen um, and then next as well then I wa- I recently watched Swan Song which is a bit of a I don't know if a lot of people know about it I just feel when you watch something and you're so moved by it I'm just like why is everybody not talking about this yeah. but also it is on Apple TV so understandable it's not um, as uh, kind of available to, to a lot of people but it's, yeah. uh, it's written and directed by Benjamin Cleary uh, an Irish guy and uh, loads of Irish producers on there as well Rebecca Burke amongst many more and so is this the film you told me about which stars Marshala Ali yeah exactly in, he's the lead in, 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 in both the lead roles in both the lead roles exactly so it's him and Glenn Close is also in it as well yeah. but basically he um, he's a father and he learns that he's um dying basically and uh it's kind of set in the future but it doesn't feel kind of like too futuristic and yeah you know it doesn't feel like you know it's it's actually too far in the future to be honest it feels like that could be a thing in our lifetime but uh he has the option then basically to go through this process of creating basically like a clone of himself 
uh, to kind of uh, tag team in so that um, he's there for his family and uh, and his friends, whatever, for the rest right. of his life. So it's a really interesting, really interesting story. And I think it's kind of rare as well. You know, the way they always say kind of nearly every story has already been told. It's mm. just uh, telling it in different ways. Uh, I think this is definitely a, a new, fresh story, which um, people should definitely check out. And also with the last two films we were just chatting about there, Belfast and Swan Song, Swan Song um, mm. both uh, main lo- actors in those are nominated for BAFTAs, which is really, really cool. Yeah, so it's really interesting me that you mention um, Swan Song as being a sci-fi film, which doesn't feel like it's very far in the future, doesn't feel like it's very uh, fantastical, even though there's, there's science fiction elements in it. I feel like sci-fi is having a bit of a resurgence right now. Last year, we talked about great sci-fi series by like the Ridley Scott series, Raised by Wolves, which features some great Irish talent like Neve Algar. Um, one of my favorite series last year was the, I think it's an Apple TV series. It was the uh, Foundation series based on oh, the Isaac yeah. Asimov books. But last week I came across another new film release, another new sci-fi film release, which features uh, an IFL patron and that's Colin Farrell. And he, so he's in a new film called After Yang, and it's by the director Kogonada. Um, now, Kogonada, you might recognize from uh, an, an American indie film from a few years ago called Columbus. Um, Columbus was like one of those really quiet films with a decent cast, people that you recognize, but probably like don't rush out to see in the cinema. Um, but it's a very good, understated film. Um, and his new film after Yang has got that sci-fi thing where it's set in the future, but it doesn't depict a world which is very far in the future. It's about a family that is dealing with the loss of their AI. So they've got an, an artificial intelligence in their house in the form of a child called Yang. And Yang unexpectedly shuts down based on the trailer and they have to deal with what happens next like how do they deal with losing this entity which is essentially a second child yeah that grief um, yeah the grief and you know is it grief is it is it something that you mm. that you ex- experience towards a person do we experience grief towards things that are not human and and at what point do you start to count um, a machine or a robot or whatever as a, as a human being um, and so I think it's exploring some really interesting themes but again in the same way as Swan Song it's doing it in a very uh, a very intimate way you know there's no like spaceships and yeah. you know, you know, lightsaber battles and stuff it's more um, it's more like intimate and talking about internal things rather than like external forces I guess. yeah exactly and do you know when that's coming out? believe that's out March 4th but possibly only in the US Um, well we'll keep uh, we'll keep everyone up to date with that because that sounds really interesting yeah and then uh, this month release wise we have Here Before is coming out February 18th that's right and we also have Sylvanir Part 2 is coming out actually it should already be out February 4th yes it came out 4th of Feb so that's in cinemas now um, obviously a Joanna Hogg film but um, with a mostly English cast but by the powerhouse that is Element Pictures um, our sort of biggest production company in Ireland so they def- it's definitely worth mention um, 
here before of course is a screening that we did at our Bridget's Day Festival last month um, and it's the debut film by a great new Belfast based director called Stacey Gregg it features Andrea Riseborough Martin McCann and John Joe O'Neill and it has some star turns from the child actors in it as well it is really a very powerful psychological thriller which it kind of sells itself as a ghost story and it keeps you going all the way through wondering if there's a supernatural thing going on um, and I don't want to give anything away because I think the power of the film is is in its big third act reveal. But when it does reveal everything and all the pieces come together at the end, for me, I was I was floored. I was like, the truth of what's going on here is so much more powerful than any supernatural thing that's going. You know, yeah, it's wow. just very good. Very Amazing. Good. Actually, it just popped into my head there. I meant to say when we were chatting about it. Uh, you reminded me there when you said child star the kid in Belfast like oh yeah I'm an actor and I just felt like I just walked out of the cinema going ah forget it I'm just going to pack it in <laughs> oh my god he was just stunning so so gorgeous really really gorgeous performances yeah um, but also another big event that's coming up is the Dublin International Film Festival mm. uh, that's going to be on the 23rd of Feb to the 6th of March I think the opening film is Colleen Kuhn which yeah. is another um, Irish language film which is unreal especially with our history with Aracht which won Best uh, Feature Film at the mm. IFL Awards in November so yeah. really cool to see Irish language films just kind of taken over a bit which is amazing because yeah. it really kind of felt like it was um, I mean dead and gone sounds so dramatic but it kind of it really feels like it's getting a new lease of life now you know it does you know like I must admit I'm not really up on the on the full lineup for Dublin Film Festival yet um, that's something that we must dive into in the next episode yeah. but Colin Kuhn being the opening film at a festival like Dublin is a big deal um, mm. people in the industry might also know that it's at the Berlinale this year, the Berlin Film Festival. I think it's the first Irish language film to ever play at the Berlinale. Um, and that's like, Very so the Berlin Film Festival and the European film market that sits alongside it in Berlin, that is a huge event, an absolutely huge event in the annual festival calendar and the annual sort of like film industry calendar at, at all. Because not only do they have a, um, a very well curated film program of things from all over the world but it's also one of the key places where films get bought and sold through the year mm -hmm. so it's a really really important event and to have an Irish language film there is quite a statement mm -hmm. um, but you're right it's not it's not the only one that's around right now um, We went, you mentioned Aract there's another Irish language film coming out very soon uh, which also features Don Lohealy uh, it's called Fosca or Shelter in English um, it's by Sean Brechner. It's also based in Connemara. Um, it's it was Ireland's selection for the Oscar foreign language category. It's a very powerful film. Uh, there's another one which is I think on release in Ireland right now, but possibly not on release in the UK yet, called Dunein. Mm -hmm. um, so Dunein, am I right in thinking Dunein is a storm or stormy weather? Yeah, and I think it's um, starring Claire Manley and Peter Coonan. Peter Coonan's in yes, it, yeah, yes, and, yes. and Breach Brennan. Um, yeah, brilliant. Cast. It was very fun. To, it was really funny last week. We were talking about Denine and um, 
we were watching Breach Brennan in Pat Murphy's film Maeve, which we screened also for our Bridges Day events. So we were in the Rio Cinema in East London, um, and Breach Brennan was up there on the screen as a as a twenty year old or something um, wow. in nineteen eighty nine, I think. And Amazing. then we're when we're back looking at looking at her in Dunedin now as well. So it's really cool to see to see that great cast. How um, was um, the Bridges Day Festival? How did that go? It was really good, Neve. Um, here before was at the Killen in Kilburn, and um, Maeve was at the Rio in Dalston. Both of them were quite well attended. Really, really nice feedback from people. It was good to be back in the cinema for 2022. Um, I mean, it's kind of not over yet, our Bridges Day celebrations, because we've got a short film programme that's up on Irish Film From Home. So that's a selection of the best Irish female-fronted short films from last year. Really encourage people to go and check that out. Um, just search for Irish Film From Home. And that's for the month of February? That's up all the way through February, yeah. So just go to irishfilmlondon.com and click on Irish Film From Home or search Irish Film From Home in your browser and you should find it. Um, it's actually proving to be one of our most popular um, programs on Irish Film From Home ever but there are limited tickets available so do jump on there um, and just what you were saying there about um, with the film festival in Berlin and like having an Irish language film on such a big platform and mm. speaking about like Irish talent on big platforms the BAFTA nominations are just oh my God. amazing the BAFTA nominations, um, I mean, okay, there's a few things that, that I want to talk about about the BAFTAs this year. Mm-hmm. Strap um, in. Strap I'm, in, I'm, folks. We're doing it. Okay. So if we're talking about Irish representation, mm-hmm. it's in the supporting actress category. Mm-hmm. But we dived into it a little bit to see what else was going on in there. Um, I mean, you know, worth mentioning that it's a really, really good selection. Mm-hmm. And Belfast is obviously very well represented in there. Um, the film Passing is quite well represented in there. But in the supporting actress category, right, there's six nominations. Three of them are Irish. That's Katrina Balfe for Belfast, Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, and Ruth Neger for Passing. The other three are Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Anne Dowd for Mass, and I really hope I get her name right, uh, Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. Um, pretty much all really great films. Yeah. Three Irish and three American actresses in there, though. So there's mm. no. I just, I just, I find it a bit like it's noteworthy to think. Definitely, that this I think it's, stuff. I think it's a really cool kind of shift for BAFTA, though, as well. I think it's, it's kind of they're broadening yeah. the net, and you know, and they're just really recognizing. Yeah, I mean, right, that's kind of the other thing that I wanted to talk about because I love BAFTA, Um, I've been a BAFTA crew member before and I think that they do great work, but they didn't have the best year last Mm. year because Mm. of specific things that were in the news about um, individuals who kind of tarnished the the nominations for this time last year and I'm not really going to bring that up in this podcast people can go and look up what happened last year yeah. with individual uh, writer directors who are not really members anymore but I think that they needed to really move away from that mm-hmm. this year and they needed to move away from the controversy that surrounded that last year Yeah, um, and I think that like 
like there's been a conversation within the BAFTA within the Academy, the British Academy, for a long time about how it nominates films and how how the membership works, how films get voted in for. Because it, 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 because it's an Academy, the members vote for which films get longlisted, and then they choose a short list, and it's all done on this Academy basis. So you have to be an Academy member to right. get to get a film uh, nominated. Mm-hmm. But what, what films get nominated very much depend on the makeup of the membership. So, I mean, you can have, you can see where this is going. It's like yeah. the Oscar so white thing. Like, if the British Academy is made up of old white dudes, then the chances it's are that, yeah, conscious yeah. or unconscious, the selection is going to be films by old white dudes. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the nominations this year are a lot more progressive. It's certainly a lot more eclectic. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely like some eyebrows raised with some of the some of the selections, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that, for example, there's films like Boiling Point on there. Yes, I am with, dying um, to see it. Oh my god, it looks amazing. Yeah, like it's one of those ones. I think Boiling Point is this year's uncut gems in right. terms of the like you know the stress levels <laughs> drop in yeah yourself yeah. a cup of tea and maybe a couple of qualities or something because yeah. it's like it's really stressful um but i think i'm just going to get a lot of ptsd having worked in hospitality i'm just going to oh, be God. like oh no i'm yeah. back there but no it looks amazing and shot all in one shot right yeah it's a it's a one arm wow. <laughs> it's a one arm oh, that is yeah. impressive yeah um very cool I also just think like the kind of rise or I don't know if rise is the right right word but more so recognition maybe of Irish female talent though I think is definitely to note as well like if you think back to 10 years ago you know what I mean it really kind of was it was really male heavy you know obviously we had Saoirse Ronan and and you know like Fiona Sean that kind of thing but it was really kind of you could really name them on one hand you know yeah um, and now it's just absolutely booming which is uh, which is yeah. amazing the gear, the gear lows are taking over it's very exciting fingers crossed we can get some of those big names on here Jerry. Uh, not a bother <laughs> alright so today's episode um, I'm going to be chatting with Damien and uh, Ross um, and it's about the film Love Yourself Today so do you want to give the li- listeners a little intro into that? Sure thing so Love Yourself Today is a documentary by the director Ross Killeen, um of Motherland Productions in Ireland um, Ross spent some time with Damien Dempsey um, in and around the gigs that he does every Christmas at Bicker Street to shoot this film. So if you're not aware of who Damien Dempsey is, he's a musician, uh, a singer-songwriter whose music focuses on uplifting, empathic, empowering uh, messages. So you find a lot of lyrics which are about self-love, self-healing and overcoming trauma. There's a real thread of that through through everything that he does. But these Christmas gigs at Vicar Street are something that Damo does every year um, and they're a bit of a pilgrimage for his fans. Um, so much so that they've become known as the Church of Demo. So the film is partly a concert film. It's partly stuff that's shot around around those Vicar Street gigs in December 2019, just before we all had to spend an extra amount of time at home. Um, and it's partly a story about some of the people who were at those gigs in December 2019. When I first saw it, I thought that it was a really 
really up like I think I really needed to watch it mm. you know like it really brought the human experience of being with other people at a gig and the power of that the connection is huge yeah yeah it really brought it home for me um so we are at Irish Film London we are putting a very special screening of it on at the Killen Cinema in Kilburn on February 15th so tickets are on sale for that now um, visit the Killen Cinema website to book there are a good handful of tickets left but they are going fast um, and Demo and Ross are going to be there in person for that live Q&A so after you listen to this um, you can come down and join us in the Killen it's the day after Valentine's Day so and it is really a lovely lovely experience so you can come down and have I, I can recommend to buy a yeah, go on, buy a, buy a couple of tickets for you and your and your partner. Come down and have a wee, have a wee cry on each other's shoulders. Oh, and get your questions ready as well. Get your questions ready as well, yeah. Love it. Thanks so much, Jerry. Chat to you soon. Chat to you later, Nave. Bye. If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish film from home films and invites to networking events and so much more. So check it out now. All right, guys, thank you both so much for coming on to chat to me today. I really appreciate it. We have an Irish Film London first with our first interview with the musician and director duo, which I think is really cool. A great way to start off the second season of the IFL podcasts. How are you guys today? Very good. Very good, Nave. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good, not at all. Um, so yeah, as I said, in uh, the kind of pre-podcast chat that myself and Jerry have, uh, Jerry has already kind of briefly talked about the film. So I'd like to dive straight in um, and just maybe start chatting about how it all came about and how you guys met. I, get, I guess, Ross, I'll start with you, how um, your kind of partnership with Ross McDonald started and then how it grew into what it is. Uh, yeah, well, um, Ross McDonald is, um, I've known him since I was 15. We both worked in the bloody stream together as lounge boys. So uh, I've known him a long time. So um, how it started, I suppose, was, uh, yeah, um, I went to a gig one night, went to see Demo, and uh, I, I have to admit I wasn't uh, like a massive uh, mega fan. He was dragged along, dragged, was dragged along, kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming, and dragged along, yeah. And... Uh, no, I was always aware of demo, always aware of the music and, uh, you know, the big songs and stuff like that, but hadn't delved into the albums or, or been to see them live, you know. Um, I was always more into uh, dance music and stuff like that, and listening to music without lyrics and whatnot, you know. So, um, but I was going through a bit of a rough time at the time and someone told me, oh, go and see uh, demo on Vicker Street and uh, you'll feel a lot better, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, really? Okay, uh, I'll give it a whirl. So I went along and I went along with my wife and she was pregnant at the time. Um, so uh, we sat at Vicker Street, you know, um, and the gig started and, you know, we settling in and just 
started looking around at the crowd and you know it's like geez everyone knows every single word and they're singing every word back to them and then Damo was on stage putting the mic out and getting everyone to sing and it's like it's just very unusual I've never been to a gig like this before you know and then suddenly everyone's crying you know uh and then I'm crying and then my wife's crying and then you know, the, the gig ends with everyone singing Love Yourself Today and everyone just walked out feeling amazing. I walked out feeling amazing as well, like that I'd kind of left something behind, you know, lost a bit of, got, got something that I was carrying around out of me, you know. Um, I felt brilliant for a few days after then. I met Ross uh, for a pint in town and I was telling him, oh, I went to this gig and, you know, he was like, yeah, I went to it as well last year and we just got talking and he was like, you know, what about a duck, you know, demo, the fans. And the minute he said it, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And I could see it straight away, what it would be. Uh, this half doc, half um, half concert film and then half doc following the fans and trying to understand, you know, what it is with demo's music that kind of really goes deep with people, you know. And because while I was sitting there, I was looking around and, you know, just wondering what everyone's story was, you know, what was going on with people that made them so emotional at, at the gig. You know, we, we kept in touch and it was like he was back in New York. I was in Dublin and, you know, it was kind of like, are we doing this? Are we doing this? And uh, I thought he would direct it and I'd produce it. But then he was like, why don't, why don't you direct it? And I was like, oh, okay. So at that point, kind of, I'd never done a feature doc before, done a couple of shorts and stuff like that. So put together a treatment, brought it to Demo through a mutual friend, um, managed to get in touch with Demo and uh, managed to get a meeting with the man himself in a cafe in Rohini and uh, sat opposite him and explained the whole idea for the film, you know, what it would be. And, you know, just like I say, half concert, half doc following fans trying to understand all of this and uh you know talked through him he didn't really say much and uh then at the end just kind of looked at me and oh, yeah, i wasn't sure if he loved it or totally didn't really get or didn't like me at all you know and eventually he just said that's deadly at the end and he said you should make a film that helps people and uh that was kind of like from that point on that was kind of the rule number one on the, on the film is uh, could it be something that might be a positive thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like it speaks to so many people in so many different ways. And Damien, I was going to ask then, were you, was there like even a little bit of you that was maybe a bit apprehensive about it or straight off the bat were you just like, yeah, no, this is actually, this is a great idea? I suppose it was a bit apprehensive, yeah. Um... Ross, I don't think, I, he, well, he hadn't done a feature-length uh, documentary before. He'd, he'd, he'd done short ones, and he showed me them, and the, but they were, they were really good, you know. I knew he, he had it, you know, he, he had mm -hmm. a, you know, he had a, the, the gift, you know. Mm -hmm. Whether he could, I wasn't sure whether he could um, capture what goes on in Vicar Street properly, you know. Because I, 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 I didn't think that could be captured on camera. Yeah, exactly, because it's so, so it's so intimate and, yeah, yeah. and special, yeah. Somehow he's done it on the way, you know, it's like the cameras aren't there at all, you know. So, yeah, uh, I agree. I was, I was totally blown away by, by what he's captured, what he's able to capture. And then taking the story off me, taking it, so it's not about me, it's, it's about uh, 
the music and the fans and you know yeah and and, and uh, the wisdom you know the sort of them imparting their wisdom to help people who are watching the movie you know it's incredible what he's doing i'm blown away still blown away still can't believe what he captured it is it's really beautiful and you feel like the the cameras you know like in the gig it's they're not kind of intrusive or anything you really just feel like a bit of a fly on the wall at the gig you really feel like you're there you can feel everything like even the opening shot of everyone just expressing pure joy especially after the last few years is such an incredible place to start the film i think it's just so gorgeous and that was that was the 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 last show i done before right before lockdown wow wow what a what a thing to have documented as well yeah, yeah, so special. It was great to have got it in the can, you know, because yeah. of, after everything that happened after, it probably wouldn't have happened the way it did, would it? Yeah, if yeah, I, exactly. If you hadn't caught that gig, then oh, it makes it even more special now, knowing that. But so, obviously, then throughout the film, then we do obviously hear a bit of your story, Damien, but then we have three other people that we follow along Nadia, Paki, and Jonathan. So chat to me about how how did you pick those three and, and did you have others in the edit or how did you come across uh, these three people? Because three beautiful people and uh, and amazing stories. Yeah, so I, I always say uh, the, the first job was to capture what goes on in the room, you know, and really capture that, that because it's kind of a spiritual feeling. It's kind of a, feels like a weird thing to say sometimes, but it's like it is there's something magic going on in that room in Vicar Street when Damo plays at Christmas. And the first job was to really capture that. And then the second job was to, um, yeah, to, to meet some of the fans and, and delve deep into their stories and, and really understand what they've been through and, and why they go to the gigs and, you know, why the music's so important to them. Because people go every year, it's a kind of a, a ritual, nearly, you know. Um, so I wanted to kind of, we didn't want everyone with the same story, uh, and, and more or less, didn't want everyone with the same stage in life. So kind of looking at it as a past, present and future. Um, so Nadia was kind of very much the present, you know, she's going through it as we're filming it in December. Uh, Paki was kind of future, he's looking ahead and wondering what the future holds for him and then jonathan was the past he's kind of looking back uh at his life he's kind of been through it all and is kind of out the other side uh, and can look back and impart the wisdom that he has you know so the first question was really i kind of talked to demo about these the kind of uh character stories or that we'd be looking for you know you know your fans better than anyone so do you know anyone we should be talking to and, and Damien suggested uh, Jonathan and Packy. I, I, I just thought of two people who were, well, one who's been through the mill, come out the other end full of wisdom and another who's in it at the moment, in the, in the thick of it at the moment, you know? Mm. And, and I just thought of who was my music helping and, 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 and you know, hitting really deeply, you know, moving really deeply and uh, sort of, uh, it, it was like, a, I suppose, um, an addict from your music, you know? You know, like... Totally and had you met them before, Damien? How did yeah, you come across them? them? Yeah. yeah, I knew the both of them uh, pretty well, you know? Yeah. So I just knew they were just totally in love with, with the music and uh, that they, they, they'd had struggles, 
So I just decamped my mind very quickly. Mm. You know. And then Nadia then was she kind of did you meet her at the gig or or how did her story come come about? You no, know, Nadia was more we we did some research and uh we we um we're talking to a rehabilitation center called Cool Mine and Cool Mine have a, a women only um a house um where women can bring their children uh which is was where Nadia was at the time you know and uh turns out she's from my neighborhood anyway yeah it's a, it's a small world I know her brother before. Oh, wow. and uh I don't know if you know I've been working on Kill Mine anyway I've been doing bits and pieces in Kill Mine before that yeah so that kind of felt a bit full circle then as well that yeah, felt, well, like felt meant to be but like the yeah. film was very much had to be kind of made and Damo's image and his his world and you know so it kind of all came together uh very organically in a way but we went into Ashley House and met um Nadia there and explained to her and with all with Aunt and, and Packy just explained to them very clearly like I I met them loads before we actually shot anything you know it's very important to explain to them what we were doing very clearly that in order for the film to really work, we really had to go deep with them, you know. Yeah, uh, because you want them to feel safe and and everything as well, and. Hundred percent, and feel like that their stories are being um, treated with the respect and the, the honesty, and you know, um, that they deserve, you know. And um, when Nadia explained to her, Nadia was, you know, she'd never been listened to all her life, you know, everything she says it in the film, everything was always brushed under the carpet. She was told never to tell anyone, you know. So she wanted to tell her story and, you know, put it out there. And this was an opportunity for her to not be ashamed of the past and the, the trauma that she's been through and try and leave it behind, you know. She uh, was the, thir the third person to, to come on board. We had a fourth as well, um, but they didn't want to continue. They just didn't. We filmed a bit with them, but then they decided they they just didn't want to go there, you know. And we yeah. had to. Do you like the film? Actually, it's funny, he was actually texting me the other day. Uh, he hasn't seen it. I haven't seen it. No. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it just wasn't meant to be. And it just freed up space for the other uh, character stories to really kind of you know, I don't know, not be cluttered or whatever. You know? Yeah, no, it, I think it's a it's a perfect balance. And and it is, it's quite a vulnerable thing. You know, you really kind of have to be in, in that kind of proper headspace, I imagine, to kind of dive into it. And, um, but the three stories are, are beautiful and, and Damien yours as well. So Damien, what's your, as you were saying there, you know, like the music for your fans and like the people that it's for, what's kind of, What's your inspiration when you sit down to write a song? What's kind of the the messages that you want to get across, and 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 who for? Suppose I'm trying to write uh, modern day ballads, Dave. You know, like some of the ballads I'd have heard from the old days in Ireland. I want to write uh, modern ones where people look back in a hundred years and you get a sense of what was going on now. Mm. You know, so that's what I try and do, and. Uh, I just uh, I like to make a song visual and that you know uh, some of the songs just make it like you're watching a movie and then other songs are just about uh, you know giving me giving myself even a bit of hope you know just giving me itself a bit of a boost just a bit of hope a bit of positivity a bit of a lift in the song you know yeah and, definitely uh, well 
I think your fans seem to be some of the most loyal fans in the world, singing every word back to you and every song. And it was just such a joy to see. And I know at one point in the film, you say you have your place in your tribe. And it really does feel like you guys are all such a tribe. So chat to me about that. Have you gotten a chance to meet a lot of your fans over the years? And do you feel, you? I imagine you feel so connected to them and... Yeah, I meet a lot of them, yeah. I meet a lot of them just on my travels, you know. Hmm. Well, 17 good. years in, is it 17 years in Vicar Street? That yeah, is an years, yeah. Yeah. incredible achievement. That's amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, I do videos for them, you know, and if they want them for their wedding or birthday, yeah. stuff like that, you know, and uh, I put up the odd letter then on um, uh, Facebook just every, every few months, you know, to tell, to tell them what's going on. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just seemed to really, really help them through life, you know. Because I'm not, uh, I'm not coming out trying to write hit songs. I'm just sort of writing what I'm feeling, I suppose, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sort of different to a pop act or something like that, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's songs kind of the songs that uh, help people through life, you know. Yeah, well, they definitely really do speak to your fans. I think I'm not, I'm not trying to sell anything really. Yeah. Know? On the yeah. so it's a bit different to mainstream a lot of mainstream stuff i think that's maybe why it is such a different feeling like ross was saying when you go you know it's maybe this kind of spiritual therapy session with a pint you know it's kind of because you don't get that anywhere else because most of the time other acts are trying to sell the albums and sell the eps and, and all that kind of stuff and that's just not you it's so clear that that's just not what the aim um, or, or what you are about is, um, yeah, I'm trying to hear myself with the songs, you know, and it helps me through life, you know, exactly. That, that passes on to other people, you know. But and, I do this, you know, I, 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 I said, said it before, I'd, I'd work in McDonald's, you know, all day, you know, just to do this at night, you know, if I never made another penny, it's I'd uh, I'd pay to do what I do, yeah, you know, so we had to write songs and record them and do gigs, mm-hmm. magic, you know, yeah. And you, you were saying there that obviously this particular gig was the last gig before the pandemic. So what was this Christmas like? It was over two nights, wasn't it? And it was a kind yeah, of half capacity or what was, was what was that like? Six in a row. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Amazing. Oh, how was that? Good going. Exactly. Oh, but, and uh, how what was that was it was it i mean i imagine it was still the same kind of love and and everything in the room but it did, i'd say you did you did miss everyone just thrown in together and uh, they were up dancing and hugging them you know yeah they broke all the rules you know but it was amazing it was great to do it was a smaller version of, of the usual gig really you know yeah and ross we were chatting there briefly about um your other work and um like that about with 99 problems the kind of another documentary style uh about the ice cream truck driver you clearly have a talent for capturing real people and their stories and kind of what they're about is that kind of the art that you'd like to make that kind of uh documentary style film following people or yeah i mean like i feel very comfortable in that uh mm. place um yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule out doing a feature film scripted uh, someday, but um, yeah, like, no, it's, uh, yeah, look, all, all my work so far has been in that documentary 
world and uh, I feel very comfortable in it and I enjoy it you know I, I like meeting people and and yeah like telling their stories and you know like um it's very important as well that you know to say that like everyone in the film came to watch it with me before you know it went out or anything like that and I think that's it was the same with 99 problems as well it was like you know it's kind of important to me that the people who are in the film like it you know and uh you know, I, I couldn't have ever imagined making a film where it's, you know, about someone who doesn't isn't gonna like it, you know. Maybe yeah. someday. But um um but yeah, no, it's um yeah, we're working on kind of new projects now and figuring out what the next move is, you know. But uh yeah, I mean, this this film's been such a I don't know, undertaking the last two, three years that uh just need to be careful before I rush into something else, you know. Of course. And the first time you both, well, the first time, Jamie, that you saw it, was it at the kind of screening or did you see a version of it beforehand? Did uh, you see any oh, versions? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. But I'd say the screening, oh, though, was just fun. very special. Yeah. I was great. I was kind of looking over, looking at his face to see if he was reacting to because like, everyone kind of reacts to the same parts, you know. Mm hmm film and, and Jonathan and his wife came over and Nadia and her partner came over and Paggy came out you know it was like it was great just to do it all you know watching it a few times over with everyone and you know just seeing their reactions uh, at the end and no one had any demo just wanted me to put a, a shot of his other brother in you know there was a shot of one brother and um, so I had to get a shot of the other brother in you know just to so they weren't it wouldn't be put out you know but like that's the kind of stuff that was uh changed you know uh which is which is lovely you know yeah exactly and, a lot of it and a shot me die if one of that's right yeah and and you, get them all, you have to get them all in in fairness if there was ever film done about me and the whole family wasn't in it now there'd definitely be something to be said yeah. but no it was nice it was uh, i think a lot of it was explaining to everyone what it was all the way through you know like keeping that communication open and everyone I think knew what we were trying to do and it was very clear so there wasn't any surprises when they they watched it you know and style wise what was the choice to do it in black and white was it to get have that kind of um that kind of concert feel or that kind of old school feel yeah, I mean, or yeah like I like the idea of it being like a timeless movie or something or, or like a point in time um there's also this idea that like if something's in black and white, you're not really thinking about what the color of the wallpaper is or, you know, the color of someone's jumper. Or you're not distracted. So you're really listening to their stories a bit more, you know, and you can really hone in on that. Um, everything looks better in black and white as well. And and yeah, like it's it just felt right for the film. You know, it just felt like the right choice to make. So, um, but we'd always, like when we were filming, it wasn't something that we decided after we filmed, oh, we're gonna put it in black and white. Um, all the way through the, the decision from the very start of the production was that it would be a black and white movie, you know. Oh, it does, it works so well. It's really, really beautiful. Um, but it has, I mean, it has tears of grief and heartache followed by tears of joy and 
hugs and kisses and punches in the air and singing from the top of your lungs so it's got it all and um, but I wanted to ask Damien you're so used to traveling with the music show so what has it been like traveling with the film doing Q&A's and kind of uh, has it been a different experience? Um, ah, not uh, a lot easier than, than having to do a two-hour show. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. Actually, I meant to say as well at the beginning, one of my favorite shots is you kind of taking a moment before going on stage and and focusing yourself, and then just naturally enough, as you would, getting distracted by everyone chanting your name outside. You know, I imagine it's quite hard to focus yourself when uh, when you've got that waiting for you outside. Yeah, that's great to hear. You know. Mm. You hear people chanting before you come on, you know, you've, you've nearly won already. Yeah, they're Chant rooting for you. Just go out there and enjoy yourself, get down the scene. Yeah, exactly. And for, years, uh, for years, I had a, a tough time for years uh, when people didn't get me when I was starting off, maybe not. So it was a nightmare for years. So. And when you were writing so many of these songs, did you think, did you ever think that they would touch people the way they do and affect people the way they do? Well, I didn't really know, no. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known properly until the likes of bigger streets started happening and people started telling me, you know, mm. and the crowds all sort of took over and started singing. But I let them do that, you know. Yeah. Other artists wouldn't be happy with people singing all the way through the show, you know. But I just grew up with, uh, I grew up in different houses where there was sing songs, you know, mm. old people singing. And, uh, I just always loved when the sing song and someone would sing and we'd all join in the choruses, you know, mm-hmm. or just join in with the song. And you have a whole room singing together and it was just, uh, I just felt it was special, something uh, beautiful about this. Uh, singing is meditative, you know, because uh, you have to remember this, the next line and try and stay in time and early in key. So uh, it's, you have to focus. Absolutely. Yeah. I, lo- I think one of my favourite things about my family sing songs is there's someone always unsure of the words. My dad always knows every single word and yeah. he's just on the, on the low key, just saying the words for them before they start singing, you know, that kind of just prompting them the whole time. But yeah. I think those, those two parallel um, shots of you having a, a session and a sing song in, I'm not sure what pub it is to then kind of, a larger scale onto Vicker Street, they nearly feel like the same thing, you know. Would you try and regularly have a kind of make your way to some sessions or anything oh, like yeah. that around Dublin? Yeah, I wouldn't do it yet. Yeah, I'm going and sing, like you know, mm-hmm. the session on, like I just could call up and sing a few songs. What would the what would the two of you like for anyone who hasn't seen it yet? Um, what would the two of you like for people to take away from the film? Like, I mean, going back to the very first meeting with Damo, just that the film is something that helps people, you know? Like, I love the idea of the film being very similar to the concert in that you go in, you know, you go down, but then you get brought back up again, you know? Uh, you said it there, it's got it like the, the grief, the sadness, but then you have to go down there to get the lift uh, at the end, you know? And uh, I just want people to feel good after they've seen it, you know? And that's kind of typically been the response. Like, you know, most people who see it just feel really good after they walk out, you know? And um, they feel good about the 80 minutes they've spent watching the film, you know? They've kind of 
thought about their own situations and whatnot. And uh, but ultimately, they they have a good feeling walking out of the cinema, you know. And, and that's that's brilliant, you know. That that's like a, to make a film that makes people feel good is um, is a lovely thing, and I'm very proud of that, you know. Damien. I suppose a bit of hope, maybe, yeah. Like everyone, everyone goes through trauma, some sort of trauma of their own, you know, no matter where they're from. But there's always hope and uh, there's always healing out there and um, every day is a new start and I suppose uh, there's lots of wisdom, I think, uh, imparted by uh, the people, you know. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, our three heroes there. Lots of wisdom for people who, who are going through a, a hard time in life, or, you know. Might see no light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just the power of music and, the, you know, that hopefully people get along to gigs and sing. Singing is very important, you know. You should always sing. The power of music is supposed to heal, you know, and help people. And community, it's, it's a great movie about community, people getting together, you know. Yeah. You know, to hear music and sing along, and it's, that's important. It's just, yeah, I think tribe is a is a perfect yeah. word to describe it. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've I've really found it so inspirational, and I think as well, especially with Nadia, it was it was nearly as if it was as if you were kind of watching someone shedding a skin. You know, she was just kind of she was just glowing, and you just kind of you just really willed her on to just keep going, and and uh, and uh, she's just such a beautiful. Uh, light I thought um, and the other two as well really really inspirational stuff but I wanted to ask Damien you said there briefly that like you didn't feel that people kind of got you for a while what was the when do you think that kind of change happened when do you think you kind of clicked into your gear and everyone really kind of started to understand you and what you're about uh, a lot of people still don't you know but uh I think when I was validated by uh, the likes of Sinead O'Connor and Christy mm. Moore and the Dubliners, Jane McGowan, when then people started saying that this fella has something, I think that that's when people started to listen to them, you know, mm -hmm. and then listen to me again, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, Christy Moore says this film is beautiful and a joy, uh, a joy and an inspiration, and I couldn't agree with him more. Um, so seeing as we are a film podcast, um, I have to ask if either of you have, so two questions, if either of you have a film uh, that has had an impact in your life, good or bad at all, um, and also if you have a favourite Irish film. Wow. Um, I have like uh, three favourite Irish films. Okay. Um, the first one is called Rocky Road to Dublin and it was kind of a, quite an inspiration when we were making Love Yourself today because Rocky Road to Dublin is like uh, a documentation of Dublin at a particular time um, in the 60s and it was amazing to watch how the Catholic Church and how much in people's lives they were like they're at Gar matches, they're at people's weddings, you know, sitting in between the bride and groom nearly, and in the schools and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was an amazing film. A lot of it is like uh, the cinematographer on that film was like this French guy who was uh, Jean-Luc Godard's DOP. 
And he came to Ireland and worked with this guy, Peter Lennon, who was a reporter and he was going around just filming it. And it was like, he was just looking at it really curiously, you know, and you could tell with how he shot everything that it was like, it was almost like, you know, yeah, someone just looking at Ireland, you know, who wasn't from there basically. You know? And that's an amazing film and one of my favorite Irish films. I love the commitments because it always puts a smile on my face every time I watch it. Can't not watch it without like the music experiment. Mm. The acting is brilliant. There's so many layers. It's funny. Um, yeah, it's um, and I just love the uh, the character trying to keep the band together because anyone who's you know, worked in a creative business, you know, it's a struggle to keep the crew together, you know, mm -hmm. and manage all those egos. So I just love that whole thing. And then the final one is Garage, um, Lenny Abramson uh, and Pat Short. When I saw that, I was like, that's I hadn't seen an Irish film like that before. That kind of showed rural Ireland in a, you know, maybe not such a good light or whatever, you know, a bit more real and a bit less kind of picture postcard mm -hmm. kind of style. I just thought it was brilliantly done. So they're my three Irish films. And Swan Song that I saw recently, I think is brilliant and I really enjoyed watching that. Yeah, it's and, really uh, beautiful, really, really yeah, gorgeous so film. I've, uh, I was inspired watching that because um, I know the producer, Rebecca, and thought she did an amazing job. And uh, Ben Cleary, the director, really amazing work. So very inspirational to see, you know, young Irish people making movies like that. Yeah, definitely. We're hoping to get Rebecca on actually next. So that's mm. uh, that'll be, it's a really, really gorgeous film as well. well yeah. What about you, Jamie? Do you have uh, any favourite Irish films? Yeah, I suppose uh, Adam and Paul. Yeah. It's an incredible movie, I thought, you know. Brilliant movie, yeah. Um, tragic, but, uh, you know, very funny at times as well, you know. Mm. It's, it's just that the, the, the acting of the two lads, you know, Tom Murphy and uh, Mark O'Hallon, it's incredible. Yeah. And the storyline, you know. And uh, shows the the, the 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 ravages of uh, addiction, you know. It didn't, um, you know, the way in train spot he walks off with a big bag of money at the fucking end of the sunset, you know. Yeah. You know, the the true picture I thought, you know. I feel like Adam and Paul should be screened in every school in Ireland. I just yeah. think it's I think yeah. it's a, a a really really raw and brilliant depiction of uh, of that kind of life. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, I loved I went down as well. That was a classic comedy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it was like an Irish western or something, you know, the way it takes you around the country. And uh, um, again, great acting and just a comedic uh, genius in parts of it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and the wind that shakes the barley. Yeah. Fantastic. About our history, you know, there's not enough movies made about Irish history, you know, and it mm -hmm. really, really nailed it. What happened in the, you know, the War of Independence. Mm -hmm. At that time in Ireland, I think that really nailed it, you know, so well. And there's so few of them movies that do. Um, so I think that's the three anyway. 
Agreed. Well, th three, two more than I even asked for. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, once again, if anyone listening is around on Tuesday, the 15th of February, get your tickets for the screening of Love Yourself today. Uh, and there will also be a Q&A with these two gentlemen as well. Tickets are only £12 and you can get them on thekillintheatre.com. That's K-I-L-N theatre.com. And I just want to say thank you both so much for coming on to talk to me, to taking the time to come on to chat. And on behalf of Irish Film London, uh, wish you the best with both of your successes in life and uh, looking forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks very much, Nate. Thanks, Thanks Amelia, Nate. Appreciate Thanks, guys. You're brilliant. Thank you. And that's it for this week's interview. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme. Myself and Jerry will be back in a fortnight with a brand new interview. See you then.